Welcome into the Sun Devil Source Report podcast. I'm Ethan Ryder today. I'm joined by Chris Cartman. Chris, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, Ethan. How are you, man? I'm doing pretty well. Winding down, I should say, my schoolwork and this semester of school. But today we're going to be talking about spring football, which winded down completely and finished up. So we're going to kind of review spring football. But first off, before we get into any huge details, what are kind of the big picture takeaways that you took from what you saw, Chris? I think they did a reasonably good job at some of these positions of, of layering in some uh, division one, division two transfer talent, probably more so than in the past, which is an advantage of the, the current transfer portal era that we're in. They had 15 newcomers all told when also factoring in junior college and high school newcomers. And that's the most we've ever seen. Uh, they need, they needed a lot of immediate help, of course, because they're losing, I think 13 starters on uh, a lot of their best players, in fact. So um, I think when you look at it, where they got the most immediate help is probably at safety. Uh, Chris Edmonds and Corey Bethley, they they looked the part, I think, between those two guys and, and Kiwan Markham. They have a what looks to be a, a pretty solid uh, trio of guys. Um, I think uh, along the offensive line, they, they, they needed a lot of help and they got some, they three uh, uh, division one, division two transfers, Des Holmes, good chance to be the starter at right tackle. Um, uh, Chris Martinez is, is battling Spencer Lovell at right guard. Um, and then I, I think that a little bit of a surprise to me, maybe Emmett Boley seems to be in a, a competitive battle with Isaiah Glass at, at left tackle. Um, probably still need a little bit of help there, uh, really all, all, all things considered. And then also uh, they, they, uh, they did well to get uh, their tight end situation beefed up after losing Curtis Hodges with uh, bo- both um, uh, Messiah Swinson, the Missouri transfer. Um, and then from the junior college level, they got a, a pretty good athlete who's, converting been in this process over the last couple of years converting from receiver to tight end in Bryce Pierre who's got some upside so um at the same time on the flip side sort of to the negative uh big picture the quarterback situation does seem still largely unresolved and um not uh particularly impressive and their wide receiver situation is um very much still uncertain because they, they, one of the areas where they needed to add talent more than anywhere else. And yet they, they, they don't have any, uh, any transfers who are participating in spring ball should also have mentioned that Xavion Valade at running back is uh, he's, he's looks pretty good and he'll battle Daniel and Gata as ASU looks to replace Rashad white and uh, Diamante train them. So there's, um, you know, there are some, some areas of, of strength, especially the front seven on defense. Uh, Robert Rodriguez has done a really good job with his group and they're there. They look super talented. Um, one of their better newcomers isn't even out there yet or didn't practice in spring ball at a minimum. Nesta Silvera, uh, defensive tackle, um, with a foot injury of some kind that he's uh, recovering from. So they should even be better there. But, uh, you know, overall, I think the defense was way ahead of the offense. 
the in particular some of the passing game and the the uh, pass protection it c- continues to be sort of the biggest concerns about this team moving forward, which uh, you know especially the passing attack was uh, probably the thing that held it back as much as anything other than just the operational issues and penalties that that team had last season. Yeah, I think the the biggest thing that we saw in spring ball was just a lot of change and then filling out or filling in holes that come with that change and figuring out the best way to kind of move on from a lot of players, either going to the draft or transferring away. One of the biggest stories uh, in the off season, as you kind of touched on a little bit, was that quarterback room, Jaden Daniels transferring over to LSU and trying to find someone to replace him. Trenton Borgay, who was his backup last season was someone in the running as well as Alabama transfer, Paul Tyson, Chris, so what did you see from those two and the group as a whole? You said it maybe was a little underwhelming. Yeah, so we put out a hot 11, which which are the uh, 11 players who impressed us most relative to our expectations entering spring ball. It's something that we do every year. And the quarterback who uh, clearly, in my view, uh, deserved to be on this list near the top was Dalen McElmore. Uh, he, he's... Uh, had a really rough couple of years uh, introducing uh, to the college football uh, world because he had this elongated delivery that caused a lot of stress on his shoulder and you have to throw so much and you have to throw with a lot of of velocity. And and he just, uh, he wasn't able to do it. So as a freshman, he basically, two years ago, he had to uh, basically stop throwing for a period of time, try to allow himself to recover and then he had to go through this extended uh, period where he was trying to shorten and tighten his release to be quicker and to put less strain on his arm. And uh, there were points in time last last fall um, in particular where I felt like that led to just a, a ton of inconsistencies and inaccuracies with uh, his throws. But it really is now starting to look much better. Um, you know, there's still occasional lapses, but I, I think overall he's by far the most improved of the quarterbacks. He's a big, strong, well put together kid who's also a very good athlete. And so when you look at his overall tool set for somebody who, because of the the eligibility freeze from it, is still actually uh, a redshirt freshman technically, I see that he has the potential to to play at this level. Um, and, and, and I would even go as far as to say that I think he has a higher upside than the other quarterbacks who took the, the majority of the first and second team reps during the spring, uh, between Paul Tyson and Trenton Borgay. Borgay is, is, um, you know, I think maybe partly because they're, they're transitioning to a new offense. Um, and, and there's a, there's a, there's a phase of kind of getting used to that with Glenn Thomas, their new coordinator, but I, I, the, the operational expertise that he had displayed in practices in previous years that led you to think of him almost like a coach on the field. I, I don't, it wasn't quite there yet at this point. And, and maybe that, I'm sure that'll probably get better over time. Uh, I also thought he wasn't as accurate as he has been historically. Um, and when he, when you're not dealing with somebody who's a bigger uh, or, or stronger arm type of a quarterback at, at the Pac-12 level, you need all those things to really be sharp to to be impressed with somebody. And so I thought he had a, a very underwhelming 
average at best type of a spring. Uh, Paul Tyson, a lot of a lot of interest in him because of the coming from Alabama, being a four star recruit out of high school and all that. Uh, I think operationally, it, it was it, it's kind of slow right now for him, and he's also learning a new scheme and, and all that. Um, but just the the ability to kind of get through progressions and see play developments and all that, I think that's not that's not where it needs to be, not even close to where it needs to be yet. Some of the, the play action drop back stuff, and they're, they're doing a lot of that in this, in this scheme. Uh, he looks a little bit better with that because you have more time kind of to operate at max pro situations and pumping the ball down the field. But that's, you need, you need quarterbacks to be able to do a lot more than that to be successful at this level. And uh, maybe it sounds crazy to some people because Macklemore got just, Second team reps are only two or three of the practices that, we, as far as what we saw, media only gets to watch about you know, half of the practices every day. But um, I, I thought he was maybe even more impressive than 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 Borgay or Paul Tyson, and certainly I think that he has more upside because he's got a bigger arm, he's a bigger dude than than, than Borgay, and uh, he's a better athlete easily than Tyson uh, with a similar arm and, 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 and overall physical stature. So, uh, and then also Finn Collins, I think he uh, didn't really get to see too many first or second team reps with him. A little, just a real brief, briefly in the, um, in the, the, the 15th practice that the spring showcase or whatever they wanted to call it. And um, I thought he looked so good early on as a first year guy that he sort of plateaued a wall so i think he's he's trying to get work his way kind of back into it from an intensity standpoint that's going to be really big and uh bennett meredith is a newcomer who as would be expected he's sort of getting his feet wet adjusting to the college landscape i'm you know i think we may see them try to um try to sign another quarterback uh and then from the transfer portal potentially Obviously, you need to see if you like one who's good enough, and if that if that's even a possibility, but they might be able to pick up somebody else. But but their situation is such that they're not good enough right now, from what we've seen, to where they can feel comfortable banking on their personnel for this coming season. Yeah, and you, you talk about defense ahead of offense. Having a good quarterback is a big part in terms of your offense being on time, and they are learning new offenses. And as you said, Paul Tyson coming in, doing a com- or learning a completely new offense as well. So we'll have to wait and see what that quarterback group can do uh, in the future and if it changes at all, or if, as you said, they maybe even look for a quarterback in the transfer portal. But sticking on the offensive end with the running backs, another transfer came in in that group as well, Xavier Valaday, Daniel Nagata was in there as well, and a couple uh, newcomers with Tevin White in there and some old guys that played a little bit last year. So what do you think from the running back group of what you've seen? Yeah, it's a, it's a lot to replace Rashad White and Damonte Tranum. Um, Xavion Valaday came in and uh, he's not a, he's not a, a thickly put together guy, but maybe he, maybe he'd carry more size through, through the, the, you know, his legs and his hips and stuff. But um, he, he just, when you watch him on film, he, he's durable and he, he runs hard and, uh, he's very savvy, I think. And he has the ability, I think even better than I maybe expected for him to get, kind of get out and run routes and catch the ball moving around. Um, ASU's really had a workhorse back in recent years. 
uh, I guess maybe the four games in, in, in 2020 where they did really kind of split it between uh, Rashad White and, and, and Trainum was the lone exception. But in, in full seasons, really, they've had one guy who's in the last, uh, you know, going back to, you know, Benjamin as a sophomore who got the vast majority of the carries. This is a year where I think that probably won't happen because Valade and Daniel and Gata, they're clearly battling. Uh, and God is a little more of a space athlete, get the ball to you on the perimeter, throw it to him, stuff like that, change of pace uh, to, to Valade, who is, he's able, he's capable of doing all the, 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 uh, the, the zone scheme stuff that ASU does. And then also a lot of gap, gap type things. So um, I, they're in a pretty good situation. They're, they're probably not going to be as good as when you have Rashad White, who is a, a uh, you know, as good as probably any of the, the running backs in the conference, but I don't think that this is an, an area on the field where they are uh, going to be hurt by their personnel. I will say though, that they they're, they're a little bit thin because Tevin white is a freshman. He's our only other scholarship guy. He, he's a, he's pretty good size. And, and, and I, I would say a pretty good athlete as well, but um, yeah, I don't, I don't know that we can expect too much from him at the outset of his career. They do have George Hart as a walk-on, who's a pretty good walk-on. But if there is if there's an injury here to either Valade or Ngata, I think all of a sudden they become pretty thin and that you could see a, a drop-off in their overall productivity. Is that something that you expect them to go out and try to get someone that could be that third guy? Or do you think that's just kind of if it, there's going to be an injury or not? I think probably not at this point. It's, it's uh, not going to rule anything out, but um, when you like George Hart, as I, I know that they do as a third guy, and you have Tevin White, in the event that they have injuries, they may just have to roll with what they have there. Yeah, we've also seen a little bit from Deontay Elliott as well in terms of huh. talking about a third guy in that battle. So could be an interesting guy to watch out for as well. Heading over to the wide receiver group, Bobby Wade with that group again this season. Really just a lot of players coming back. Not that many new guys. Uh, Ricky Pearsall is looking to take a new jump, even higher than he did last season. Uh, Johnny Wilson on his way out, transferring over to Florida State. So what do you see from the wide receivers? Is there anything to really look out for? Well, yeah, I just it's, it was obvious that they were trying to get Elijah Badger in into a higher gear and to where they can maybe rely upon him. He, I think he's the best overall athlete that they have among the receivers, very high upside uh, potential. Uh, he's just struggled with uh, just having the type of fluency that you need to have with scheme to be able to go out there and execute and have it look the way that it's supposed to operationally um, getting lined up properly, running the right routes, you know, uh, understanding how to convert routes and, and post route kind of stuff and what you should be doing and as a blocker and pretty much everything. Um, but really what should happen this year is uh, Badger becomes a more of a weapon, big play threat. Pearsall becomes a, a higher volume target as somebody they can move around from H in the slot to, to, to Z or X in other spots, try to keep defenses from being able to key on him and where he might line up and how they're going to try to defend him. I, I think that he's capable of being a 60-plus 
catch guy, maybe even as high as like 80 catches. So, uh, I, I, if I had to put an over under on what should happen for him this year, this year, it probably should be like around six, five and a half, six catches a game. So now you're talking about 70 something catches if the guy is healthy through the whole season. Um, and, but, but he's very capable of that. And, and, and the ASU may need that from him when you look at just the reality of them not adding additional wide receivers as yet through the transfer portal. And I think they, 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 they really should try to get at least one more guy, especially somebody who is a, a, a dynamic athlete who can maybe take the top off the defense. If they could find that, that'd be a big help. Um, you know, LV Bunkley Shelton, I think is a talented underneath receiver, uh, leverage guy. You can motion him around the, the, the backfield, get him flowing across the grain and get the ball to him. And in, in, in that way, also your screen game and in, in, in some other ways, uh, he didn't practice in the spring coming back from an injury, uh, at least not in any sort of team period action. I think that he's best served by trying to get lighter and leaner. I think he should be as lean and light as possible because the, the athleticism, especially getting to the, getting uh, behind the defense, I think is his biggest limiting factor right now. Uh, it's just overall top or top end speed um, would be better served by him doing those things. And then Brian Thompson and Andre Johnson, um, you know, the question is going to be, are those guys able to become more than just guys who are targeted two or three times a game on bigger play concepts? Um, and I, I think that potential is there, especially for Thompson this year. I have seen some of the improved route running from last year, um, what he did last year versus Utah and maybe even trending forward to now, but um, they, they need more from this group. This, this is definitely of all every ASU added transfers, at every single other position on, on its roster. And then at wide receiver, it hasn't done so yet. They only have seven scholarship players, one of whom Geo Sanders was a, a walk on previously so really six who were recruited and, um, you know, and then Bunkley Shelton was out. So you're just really thin there. They have, the, you know, they have all the guys that we know about projecting forward. They have seven wide receivers and then seven tight ends, H-backs uh, for this team in the year ahead. And really you should have 10 or 11 wide receivers going into any given season. Uh, and they have no retro freshman or freshman right now. So that's, that is a little bit of an issue. I think the interesting point with wide receivers, and I'll ask you one more question on them, is Bobby Wade kind of talked about how they believe in this group, and this is a, a group that they really believe can kind of take that next step, as we've talked about. But is this something where they tried to get people and didn't get them, and they might try again to get some more players to come in, or do they really believe that this group is going to take that next step? Yeah, no, I think they are going to try to target uh, adding one or two guys here, and they, they should. They, they know that it's a need. I, I'm confident of that uh, from everything I've gathered. But they also, at the same time, think that they should be getting more from some of the guys that they have in the fold, especially, I would say, Pearsall, Brian Thompson, Elijah Badger, uh, and even Bunkley Shelton, really. So they need those guys to take the next step. But they also, I think, would be really smart to try to add one or two guys, especially, as I said, vertical playmakers. Yeah, for sure. And that is something certainly to keep an eye on, as you said, in the next 
kind of up until the season, even for who might be able to take those spots and take the next step and then who they might bring in as well. We'll head over to the tight ends though. A lot of turnover in the tight ends group. Jalen Conyers remains. Uh, he has a lot of potential and especially in his catching ability. Sometimes could have worked in his blocking Bryce Pierre, Messiah Swinson also coming in along with some other players. So what have you seen from the tight ends? Do you expect them to be, or how do you expect them to replace Curtis Hodges and how do you expect them to perform? Well, that's the key thing. I think Curtis Hodges didn't get enough credit, especially last year, for how good of a blocker that he became in and around the box. Um, and, and, and also we became more reliable as a, as a receiver, especially running the seam and, and um, making some athletic uh, plays on the football for somebody who's as big and rangy as he is. Besides Swinson, they're hoping can replace Curtis Hodges in that type of a role. Uh, and he was used as a, as a, a lot in the run game and as a blocker at Missouri, but I, I, in, the, in the periods that we saw in practice, I thought he was, I thought he was okay. I don't think that he was better than it, than I expected. Maybe not even quite as good as I expected. I think he was okay. Uh, I don't think he, he, anything that we saw put him to Hodges level in terms of the full service ness. Now I, I did hear that he had some big performances during the portions that we did not observe. And so I'm interested to see, what that looks like in August. Um, Bryce Pierre, the junior college addition I mentioned earlier, who's uh, was a receiver and like 30 pounds lighter just a couple of years ago, he's still really learning everything, like what his initial footwork should look like, uh, releasing off the line of scrimmage as a blocker and, and having the right leverage and understanding how to use his hands and all these things. And uh, I do think that he's a guy who looks good when he's out there running around in space and maybe they could throw the ball to him a little bit, but but Jalen Conyers is um, pr- further ahead and even bigger in a similar type of a mold. So I think you clearly Conyers is going to be more their, their their space guy. They'll play a lot of twelve personnel with two tight ends in this uh, Glenn Thomas scheme that's more pro style, and you're going to get some max pros and some tight end slips and things of that nature. But they'll throw the ball more to the tight ends, probably just uh, just. Um, in terms of their the ideology that they want to have as an offense, and they're they're, they're reasonably well situated for that. But you also want to be able to impose yourself from a blocking standpoint when you're gonna use this type of an a in offense to set up your play actions with some really potent run game ability with your tight ends in the in, in the box, and that's what allows those guys to get to to be so effective when they then instead run into routes and do some slips and things like that, uh, you know, going backside on, on, on some of these split zones and uh, you know, going against the grain with some of the rollout type stuff and bootlegs and tight ends can be really, really major weapons in, in that, in that style of offense. Uh, but to make it all animated to the degree that you want it to be, you have to be able to block at a really high level in the box. And I still think that that may be not as good of a capability for this team, which then, cuts into what they could do working off of those things with the play action game. Yeah. Curtis Hodges made a couple of big catches and in, in I remember specifically the Utah game, he made a pretty big catch and he made some big catches throughout the season. So as you said, it can be a pretty big weapon and they blocked pretty well last season, Curtis Hodges. And I remember a couple of videos of Curtis Hodges and Ricky Pearsall that you talked about blocking wise in terms of running, but another thing that the team's been working on even last season, they've now 
lost a good amount of players in that position group is the offensive line. If we're going to talk about blocking a lot of transfers coming in as well, Chris. So how do you feel they've done to replace the players leaving and what should be expectations for this group? Yeah. So they're not going to be uh, better. I don't think this year. And when you lose uh, two guys who will probably get drafted, right. Uh, you know, they, I think Donovan West was one of the best centers in the Pac-12. And I think Kellen Deesh was one of the best left tackles in the Pac-12. And they um, were experienced players and at super important roles. And, and, and now they, he's moving Ben Scott to play center for the first time in his career. And they're going to have either Isaiah Glass or Emmett Boley playing left tackle. There's no reason to expect that they will be better at those key positions. Um, I think it's it's more reasonable to assume that they could be equivalent or close to equivalent or maybe even better at right guard. Uh, moving on from Henry Haddis, where they're going to either have Spencer Lovell or Chris Martinez. And I think uh, they probably won't go backwards at right tackle um, with Des Holmes playing in, in place of Ben Scott. But I don't think they're going to be clearly better necessarily at those positions. Uh, maybe Maybe a little bit at right tackle. I don't know. But I don't think they're going to be I think they're going to be probably not as better at those positions than they will have a drop off at the other positions where they're replacing guys. And so the overall sort of equilibrium of their offensive line, I think is probably going to be a step below what they were last season. And that, again, that's a big thing when you need to be a, a heavy run offense to open up a lot of play action ability uh, you, you want to be really physically imposing, uh, to get that accomplished. Now, depth wise with, uh, let's, let's just say that with, with Emmett Boley battling glass and then Lovell battling Martinez, they have a very clear top seven right now. I think that, uh, after that, there is a drop off. They, they, the coaches have talked about maybe trying to go get one more offensive lineman. I think that kind of makes sense. And if there's an additional concern here, really it is that their younger players are not showing that they're ready to play at this level. Like pretty much almost none of them actually, uh, other than Isaiah Glass uh, has shown that. Ben Bray with Mrs. Spring, he was out with an injury rehabbing, but the all the others, uh, Ezra Dotson Oyatade, I think um, people expected a lot from him because he was a four-star center but he's not ready to play. Armand Bethea, I think, is maybe the furthest along of, of their of their redshirt freshman out of uh, five guys that they have there. But even he's, I don't think, really ready. And then Sione Vicoso and Austin Berry, they, to me, look like they're still a year to two years away uh, from being able to make an impact. Uh, ben Bray, you know, we'll see. I mean, not, not, not performing in the spring is a little bit of a question mark. They have 12 offensive linemen right now going into a season. Uh, a, a healthy number is usually 15 or 16. So in addition to some of their the questions with their younger players uh, and then maybe lack of star power at the top end, they also are about three guys below from a number standpoint where they probably should be. Yeah. And, and even take out the fact that they want to be a running team, any team, if the offensive line is, not really blocking a lot of the stuff we just talked about the other parts of the offense doesn't really matter as that's a huge part is winning the trenches on the offensive line heading over to the defensive side of the ball staying in the trenches Robert Rodriguez has done 
great with the defensive line. He did great with the defensive line last season, and he seems to continue uh, on to this season doing that, even after losing a couple of players. So what do you think about the defensive line, new additions, and just how they look overall? Yeah, I think this is a uh, an excellent group. This is the, probably the best-looking group overall to my eye right now, and, and not really surprised, right, because – Rodriguez, we've said it time and time again, is, is, is as good of a coach as they have. Uh, and now he's done a really good job both with the talent identification. So adding guys who were maybe overlooked or under-recruited, um, you know, for instance, I think BJ Green as a walk-on was really a tremendous addition. Robbie Harrison looks pretty good as a freshman coming in who had no other power five offers. Um you know, they, they, they just, they've just, uh, Garen Stansberry, I think, you know, uh, is even much better than I had anticipated. He looks like a guy, I think he was ranked in the eight hundreds. I think he looks like a guy who, to me, probably should have been ranked in the top 300 or so in the country. He's a very draftable, uh, a prospect. He's also added about 20 pounds. There, there are really no guys that ASU's had in recent years who look as physically impressive as a prospect as Stansbury 6'5, 242 as going into his 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 uh you know first spring he's finishing up his first year of college football and um and he probably will end up 255 260 pounds as an end and who now is starting to figure out uh how to get his feet and his hands all working together and his leverage and all that and uh, I just think he's going to be a monster. He's not even going to be a starter. You look at the team this year, and you have Michael Matus and Anthony Cooper as your starting ends. And they were starters last year. They played an awful lot, along with Tyler Johnson as a third guy. But uh, athletically, Garen Sandsbury and Joe Moore, who are the second team ends, are more impressive than Anthony Cooper and Michael Matus. So they have the ability to come at you in waves uh, this year. And, um, and then that doesn't even mention Michael, uh, uh, Daniel Lambert, who I think is, is, has been really good and gotten a lot better. And, and he's now 250 pounds after playing at 230 last year. And it also doesn't mention Trevez Moore, who started out last year as a starter level defensive end before, uh, you know, he suffered a catastrophic knee injury that, that cost the season. And, and, and he hasn't even been out there practicing. So they are absolutely loaded. And they also have on top of that, Dylan Hall who um, is a, a bounce back ju- junior college guy, went to Boise State, and he has a pretty good physical profile overall. So they're loaded beyond any other position at defensive end. Then you go inside and you go, okay, they have Jermaine Lole, who should be one of their best players coming back from the triceps tear. He was out in the spring. Omar Norman Lott to call the first team reps. He's a great athlete, one of the best on the team. He has a draftable upside to his game. And then, so that's a, that's a really great top two. And then behind him, uh, BMOD Miller was a, a walk-on from who was a, he's a six-year senior transferred from Maryland. He didn't play a lot early in his career. He had a really good spring. He looks good. And then you also have BJ Green as a three technique who had an impressive freshman year. So they're really deep. And then they're adding a junior college player, Jaleel uh, Rivera Harvey, uh, who has the ability to play three technique or maybe also, uh, play some nose tackle. And then at nose tackle, they replaced DJ Davidson with Silvera uh, partnering with uh, TJ Pesafea. I thought Pesafea had a good spring. He looks like he's making a jump to the next level. He was really, really good against the run in particular, uh, working against Ben Scott there in the trenches. And then Silvera, you know, they should have a very good 
a one-two punch uh, there as well. And then they could even move Jermaine Lole at some times over to play nose or maybe uh, Rivera Harvey over to play a little bit on the nose. Um, and then they have Robbie Harrison, the freshman I mentioned earlier, who uh, as a nose tackle is, is a pretty decent uh, number three to number four option, I think, coming in. So they, uh, I just can't really say enough about how good of a job that Robert Rodriguez does. One of the things I talk about is the coaches have a very difficult time being good in every way. And in every way, really, you can define that as uh, player identification, like recruiting identification, and then uh, actual the procurement of players, actually being able to get the guys that you want, uh, which those are two different skill sets. And then player development is a whole nother thing. And then getting players motivated and inspired and encouraged and communicating really well with them is another whole thing. And then being very good at uh, understanding how to deploy and scheme with your talent is a whole nother thing. So that's five things. And what happens is most college coaches, they, they tend to be really good or, or good at one or two of those things. And then they're deficient in one or two or more of those things. Well, a five tool player, everybody knows in baseball, but a five tool tool coach in football to me has all those things. And I look at Robert Rodriguez as being the guy who best personifies that uh, on the ASU, uh, uh, staff and, uh, you know, Sean Aguano is, is another guy who I think, uh, is, is very good with his group in, in, in a lot of those key core areas. And those are both the, the two guys who have been coaching positions other than special teams who have been around for three years. And so it's not really a surprise to me that, that those have been positions that have been very good. Yeah, it's it's a pretty stacked group with a coach that seems to get even another level out of players, even if they're transferring in or are recruits coming in. So that's definitely a unit to look out for, as you said, possibly be the best on the team. Now heading over to linebackers, Darian Black or Darian Butler, I should say, uh, leaving the team. Chris Claiborne has done a pretty good job with that group in general. Eric Gentry, someone that maybe can just step in to that role fairly easily, given how much he played last season and how well he played. What have you seen from Claiborne in that group? Yeah, they call Darian Butler D Black, so that's why you know people don't, might not know his nickname. But um, uh, he's a big loss, obviously. He's definitely one of their their better players in the last couple of years, and also I think he brought a certain fire and energy. Uh, uh, to their defense, and it was a was a leader a lot by how he handled situations. Uh, what has pretty uh, regularly been said to us is that Kyle Soli has risen up and, and has become a vocal leader of this defense going into what I guess his third year as a starter, maybe at this point. Played a lot even before then, the previous season. So um, between Kyle Soli, Merlin Robertson, and then Eric Gentry who looks like he's um, one of the biggest rising stars on this team overall uh, after a really great freshman year. I think they had, they're in a, a very good situation. Merlin Robertson didn't have a particularly impressive season last year. And even the year before, I thought after he started showing against USC, which was maybe his best game that he's had, uh, was kind of so-so in, in, in the following three games. So his decision to come back it, it is an indication of the fact that he feels like more is needed of him and everybody kind of agrees that's the case. And we'll see spring ball is not really where you're going to learn a lot about linebackers. They don't play. There's no tackling hardly ever. They're going up against their own offense, not some offense that they're trying to figure out 
what the play is going to be and, and, and being extremely reactive and physical uh, immediately upon, uh, you know, uh, the snap of the football or even identifying what might be coming ahead of time and being prepared for that. Those are the things where Merlin Robertson and Kyle Soli have to really show growth going into this year. So that's sort of a, uh, an, an A, not applicable as far as like grading them. Uh, I will say Gentry, even though he still is quite thin and probably wasn't even 200 pounds last year on a six, six massive frame, um, he's, you know, probably got a seven foot wingspan or close to it. Uh, he, he's, he's added 10 or so pounds, still looks light and lean, but now he's 205 to 210. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he has another five to 10 before the season. And he's going to be on a trajectory toward eventually being a 240 pound linebacker probably in a few years, but it's going to take that. But, uh, just his, his patience as a linebacker is his, his, and his ability to decipher what's going on uh is except was exceptional uh and so i think he's going to be really good the question i think is are the next tier their fourth fifth or sixth guys are they going to be able to step up and be be really good and that's still an open question i the, the to me the best looking guys are will schaefer and connor Soley uh after the starters i think schaefer is sort of like a darian butler type of a guy just not to that uh level uh as yet and, and then one of their better kind of run and movement linebackers is Connor Soley, um, who also has an edge to him that I think is, is pretty intriguing. I will say that Kayla McCullough, um, after after not an impressive year last year, I think he showed some really good signs in the spring. Um, and then uh, Jane Williams is, is someone who has a chance athletically to be pretty special, but just started out at a very sort of early developmental juncture with kind of figuring out defensive scheme uh, that are advanced and Rodney gross uh, jr. Um, physically like on the hoof. I mean, he looks fantastic, but uh, there's a lot that is being asked of him from Chris Claiborne on sort of adjusting to how ASU likes to do things with its linebackers that I think Bob bond grows down just a little bit. In the spring, I think it'd be interesting to see. I think he has, he probably has a chance to be the most improved guy from the spring to like September. So I'm interested to see what happens with that overall arc. But right now, I think their top three, it looks really good. Uh, Gentry should be a star player. And um, the, the depth is a little bit of a question mark, even though, and they probably are also maybe two guys lighter than they should be at, at this at this group. Yeah, certainly a lot to figure out in terms of who will play behind the starting guys as that kind of seems to be figured out. But a lot of growth to be had within that group. Another group that we're looking at is the safeties. The the secondary in general had a lot of change, as we've talked about change throughout most of these groups. But the the secondary had a lot of change in particular, specifically in the safety group. They brought in two transfers and Corey Bethley and Chris Edmonds, who seem to be taking a lot of reps. So what have you seen from the safety group and what are you expecting? Yeah, I think really impressively, Chris Edmonds is a guy who, uh, relative to my expectations, was one of the, the, the better newcomers. Uh, he's got great size, you know, pushing 6'2", 215 pounds. He, he looks unlike safeties that ASU's had in recent history, going back probably to Keelan Johnson type of a guy nearly a decade ago now. Um, and then Corey Bethley, a lot more was kind of expected of him because he was Hawaii's best 
defensive player probably over the last two or three seasons, all of a sudden now, if you're Kiwan Markham and you're, you're thinking you're going to come back and be a starter because Evan Fields and DeAndre Pierce are gone, um, well, that that's not necessarily the case. I think they have a very good uh, overall trio of guys who, who uh, have a chance to be uh, starters this season and, and play at a pretty high level. And that's what they needed to do because they look pretty thin with what they also were returning there. Uh, T. Lee didn't practice at all this spring. I'm not sure if he's going to be with the team moving forward. Willie Hart's had injuries. They got him in sort of a nickel slash safety role. And then R.J. Reagan's recovering from a foot surgery. And D.J. Taylor's another guy. So um, I think they probably helped themselves as much defensively at safety as anywhere else with these two Division One transfer additions. Yeah, and then kind of flipping over in the secondary with the cornerbacks changes there as well. What have you seen a couple kind of old players stepping into bigger roles and what have you seen from them? Yeah, I think this is actually where they probably were least impressive overall in the spring. Uh, I think they're there. You, you look at the, the spring showcase and you saw some pretty glaring miscues at, at, at with their corners. Um, Tamarcus Davis should, I think at this point, be a very good player and, uh, he has to step up as they're trying to replace Jack Jones and Chase Lucas, but yeah, he, he wasn't as, he wasn't as good as I kind of expected that he would be, uh, as a corner. And then I think Ed Woods struggled at times. I think he was not as impressive as they needed him to be, uh, Keon Markham, they're trying to kind of get him ramped up and playing at a high level, um, but that is still a work in progress. And then they moved Jordan Clark to being more of a safety slash nickel. But Jordan Clark and Mason Williams, to me, I think those are two guys that need to show that they're going to be able to be stickier uh, as co- as coverage DBs than they really have. Isaiah Johnson was ASU's highest rated signee. Um, and then he had a slow incorporation last year. I, he's, I, I, I'm seeing some progress, but I also don't think that he's looks like he's going to be ready to be a starter level player this year. They're going to add one more guy here, Tark Luckett, who played a lot at Colorado as a freshman before bouncing down to junior college level. He'll be a summer arrival. I think that's a big uh, thing for them because they need help here. And they probably even really should go out and try to get one more cornerback. Uh, from uh, you know, the Division One level, or maybe even a junior college guy, could be could be some big additions to come in that cornerback room. The last group we'll talk about for kind of diving into the position groups is the specialists. It's kind of hard to tell anything big about the specialists, but there were some returners and some new faces in terms of taking bigger roles as well. So, what if anything did you see from the specialists? Well, I'll say this: uh, Jace Feely probably as improved as anybody on the, the roster overall from like when he arrived last year to now. I mean, I, I was questioning what they were even thinking, bringing him on as a kicking option. It, it was that ugly uh, when he was kicking the ball last year in the practices that we saw just spraying it all over the field, really struggling to get the ball off the ground at times. Uh, no sort of reliability in terms of directionally where it was going to be going. But now he he's making a majority of his kicks, a clear majority of his kicks. He made his first five field goal attempts in the, the spring showcase. 
and uh, on Saturday in the stadium before missing from, I think, like 46 yards on his last attempt. And he's looked pretty good doing it. So uh, he'll be battling Carter Brown, who's a freshman who's coming in and looks really good and could even maybe be a three-way competition. A kicker, I'm interested to see what kind of happens there. And then the putting is obviously Eddie Chaplitsky. Um, he did really good, especially with his precision punting and his ability to, 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 to pin defenses inside the 10 yard line last year. He needs to work on, uh, probably overall hang time and field slipping, but Sean Slocum, the secondary, pardon me, the special teams coach said that he felt like that was an improvement for Chaplitsky. Um, and then of course, do people know that last year was a pretty disappointing, uh, um, uh, encore performance for dj taylor after he looked phenomenal as a kickoff returner in 2020 um just maybe put too much expectations on himself tried too hard and was making some bad decisions back there I, um, it's hard to really say exactly how how ready he is to amend for those things but they're also looking at elijah badger as another option as a kickoff guy so i'm interested to see kind of what happens with that yeah, two interesting guys as well as DJ Taylor. When we talked to him, talked a little bit more about playing on the defense than he did last season. And then Elijah Badger is someone that they talk about just getting the ball in his hand. So maybe returning is something that they can do to kind of have that happen. But we've talked a little bit more specifically, but in kind of a more holistic view, you've touched on this a little bit, but what more should be expected from ASU to do with this roster between now and the start of the season? Yeah, I think the, the most the unsettled positions as far as like the, the shakiness of their talent. If I was to rank it, I would say one quarterback, two wide receiver and three corner or maybe two corner, three wide receiver in some order. And then after that, they probably could use a little more help along the offensive line. Those are four areas where they really need to shore up uh, or at least try uh, to add additional talent between now and the start of the season. They only have 73 scholarship guys um, projected for this year's roster. So they, they have room to add at least several more. They're going to be under what their normal number is. And they probably, it's probably not a bad thing because they, they can, um, they could use that as a trying to get ahead of the NCAA uh, uh, investigation by, by cutting their own scholarship number as, as, as one of the measures that they could take to do that. And this season makes sense, but um, yeah, I just think that they, they, in order to be a better, to give themselves a chance to be as good as they were last year or better from a record standpoint, I think they're going to need to upgrade one or more of those positions and quarterback is far and away the most important. So we'll have to wait and see in terms of who they add, but from what you saw and what we saw at spring ball and what the coaches talked about and players, anything that they talked about, the real question that needs to be asked after this is what are the expectations that fans should have on the upcoming season based on everything that's been done and seen? Well, I think the defense has a chance to be close to as good as last year, maybe be better in the front seven, potentially cornerback is a real question. And that's such an important position from a coverage standpoint. Um, offensively though I, they don't to me look like they're going to be better than they were last year uh it may even be a challenge to be as good as they were last year just given some of the things that i just talked about this the, the schedule is also a little bit tougher it, it seems so overall i think um 
if you were trying to set expectations for this team and with a big caveat being, let's see if they are able to add some additional talent at some of these positions where they really need it. But right now, I think you're looking at probably around a six win type of a football team, maybe seven, you know, if, if some of these things do a little bit better than anticipation, but there's even the, the possibility that they may not be that good. Um, if they're unable to shore up some of these areas. Yeah, it certainly seems like kind of a give and take on what the team does between now and the beginning of the season or what happens between now and the beginning of the season. But that'll be it for a recap of spring football on this edition of the Sun Devil Source Report podcast. Make sure to stay tuned as we have a lot of content coming your way. The next podcast will be a premium podcast that features a mailbag section to answer some of the questions you guys on the Devil's Sanctuary have. And all of the written capsules as well will come out in the next few months. So stay tuned to that on the site. There will also be evaluations of all the newcomers on the roster. A lot of them that we just talked about on the podcast, those will come out as well over the next few months. So definitely stay tuned and locked in to all of our content. But for now, that'll be it for this edition of the Sun Devil Source Report podcast. I've been Ethan Ryder, joined by Chris Cartman, and we will see you guys next time.